Hello folks, welcome back. I'm your host Simon Ward and this is the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast where I can promise that you'll always hear a Yorkshire accent and we'll never have any adverts. We chat with all our guests about peak performance, fitness, health, nutrition, recovery, longevity, relationships and happiness. And each of these elements has a huge importance regardless of whether you want to finish your first sprint triathlon, set a personal best at your next race or just keep doing the activities you love into your 70s. This week's podcast is essentially a rerun of an issue we published back in November 2021. I've re-recorded the episode but the sentiment is the same. We're going to be talking about mobility and strength and that sentiment is just move more and lift weights. If you really do want to make a start with your mobility and some bodyweight strength, then I have a plan to get you started. If you feel like you're a bit further down the road than that, then maybe you'd like to try my new eight-week strength plan with some short kettlebell routines in there, and of course with daily mobility included. You can find links to both of these plans in the show notes below. Before that, Please let me outline my thoughts on why I think that mobility and strength are crucial to your human and athletic performance, but especially if you're older than 50. So there are two things. Now, I've been lifting weights since, well, about as long as I can remember. Um, I think I probably started when I was 12 or 13 because my granddad had built himself Uh, a little dumbbell kit and like all little kids I used to go and pick it up and do my arm curls to try and improve my biceps because of course those are the things I thought would impress the girls when I was 13. Um, I carried on with that when I was at school and uh, myself and a few friends were allowed access to the weights room even though we weren't old enough because one of our friends was a British weightlifting junior champion and so the teachers thought that he had the um that the necessary knowledge and um, credibility to to take care of us in there and teach us how to lift the weights properly. So I learned good uh, squatting and deadlifting technique from quite an early age. And I continued that all the way through my teenage years. Um, And then when I was at university, I was lifting to help enhance my rugby performance. And I've continued that in some form or another, not just personally, but in my professional career as a strength coach in um, professional sport with uh, a number of different sports and athletes from from cricket to professional rugby league to Olympic swimmers to triathletes to motor racing drivers. You name it, I've probably worked with an athlete from one of those sports and helped them out with their strength and conditioning. And what I would say is that for a lot of those athletes, that means not lifting heavy weights, but it does require some improvement in strength to help them improve their um, sporting performance. Now, a few years ago, I was introduced to a lady called Sarah Pitts, and Sarah was trying to encourage me to get involved in some mobility training. I wasn't really a believer. It's probably 10 years ago now. And Sarah kept saying to me, strength is only so good if you have the range of movement to be able to use it effectively. And I was very resistant to take up her suggestion of of doing some mobility. And she was helping me with some massage and some injuries that I was having at the time. She kept saying to me, the reason you're getting injured is because you're too tight. And I resisted and I resisted. She created some little programs for me. I started to do a little bit, but I still couldn't find any benefit or any reason. And perhaps that was because I didn't really put my heart into it. 
Um, then I got. Then I had a bad bike crash. I broke some ribs and a collarbone quite badly. And on my rehab, the physios told me exactly the same that uh, that the root cause of all of my injuries was um, tightness in my upper back and in my shoulders and in my hips and blah blah blah. And that was all cascading down to my Achilles tendons, and that was why I was getting calf problems and Achilles problems. Um, so. Uh, with the help of the White Witch, who I've had on the show as a guest, that's Louisa, my physio, and the person I still see today, every month, um, I started doing some stretching. And now, I have to say, I'm an evangelist. I'm a complete convert, and I probably drive people um, bar me by telling them that they need to do more mobility. But I'm talking about that from a position of having been where they are and stood in their shoes and understand the consequences of not having mobility and flexibility and how that can affect your not just your athletic performance but your whole life so i started to introduce daily mobility and now i do about 30 minutes religiously every day and if i don't do it it's it's a bit like going out without brushing your teeth i sort of feel a little bit unclean and i've become an absolute convert and because of that, I'd ha- I've had several guests on the show. Uh, Kelly Starrett is one that springs to mind, the, the gentleman who wrote the book Becoming a Su- Supple Leopard. He talks about being in the ready state and in, in relation to those leopards, he says they don't need to warm up when they go chase an antelope or a gazelle. They go from sleeping to racing because they're just mobile and they're supple all the time. Now, I'm not suggesting that you should achieve that sort of level of conditioning, but Perhaps if you did regular mobility and you kept moving, then um, it wouldn't be necessary to warm up for quite as much before your weekly training session or your daily training sessions. So we're talking really about moving more. I can't emphasize how important it is. Modern life means we all sit down too much. Even if you work out one to two times a day, you probably think that's enough. And it doesn't matter if you sit down at your desk for the remainder of the day or you slouch in front of the TV when you get home. But I have to tell you that I was wrong about this. And if you still believe that, then I'm afraid you're on the wrong path too. Uh, There's a lot of evidence now that even sitting for 20 minutes means some changes to the way the hormones work in your body and um, they they start to do things that perhaps they shouldn't be doing. So moving regularly is really important. In fact, it doesn't mean getting up and doing some exercise, although that would be good. It just means getting out of your chair, standing up, stretching your legs, activating the posterior chain, the glutes and the lower back and the upper back and the shoulder blades and straightening everything out rather than being in that sat down kinked over position that we all adopt when we're sitting looking at our desk or looking at our computer screen and if you're wondering why you don't run as fast as you should do given all of that run training then maybe the reason doesn't um, sit with the fact that your training isn't right maybe the reason is because you actually sit down far too much and your body's just a little bit more kinked up and you can't move effectively So let's look at some of the key principles of mobility. Mobility is just the ability to move freely and easily. That's all. It's it's actually quite a simple definition. I'm sure there are lots more out there and you could probably post a few on my Facebook page and tell me that um, this is a better definition or that one is. But this one works for me. The ability to move freely and easily. And there's, I'm sure for all of us, there's been a time when we've, 
been on a long journey. We've been cramped up in a car. We've been sat on a train or we've been on an airplane for a few hours and we get up and we think, well, I'm, I'm actually not moving freely and easily. And then there's obviously there's days when you just move freely and easily and you feel very loose and relaxed and, and just limber. That's how we'd like to feel all of the time. So that's mobility. Now, I know a lot of people get confused between doing mobility work and doing stretching. Stretching is where you move a joint or a muscle through its full range of motion. But often we're talking about isolating a particular muscle across a series of joints. So I'll give you an example. I hear a lot of people say, oh, I need to stretch my hamstrings. So what they'll do is they sit on the floor, they sit upright with their legs straight out, they curl their toes back towards their face and they reach forward and they, they sort of lean forward or hinge forward and they get a stretch in the hamstrings. Okay, that's just lengthening the muscle. You can also do that same stretch lying on your back with uh, a belt over your, um, the bottom of your foot and then holding the belt and straightening your leg. And yeah, that's a great stretch. And the hamstrings have got a lot of nerves in there and a lot of receptors. So you feel a really good stretch, but it's a, very, it's a static stretch. doesn't involve lots of muscle groups. And I think that there's probably a better way to do things. Okay, mobility is what helps us to move freely and easily. And in, uh, okay, so I gave you that definition. But if you think about athletic movements, generally they're not from a static position; they're from a moving position, and they they're sort of quite random. And you need to change direction quite often. So, if you were going to do the aim to do both, and you can do both at the same time, but I would suggest that what you need to aim for is approximately. 15 minutes per day, every single day. Now, when you're young, and by young, I mean probably in your 20s and 30s, you could probably get away with not doing a great deal of mobility because the body is supple. You get lots of movable. Uh, you've got lots of synovial fluid in the joints. Everything feels, feels um, supple and loose. But with wear and tear and aging, then those joints tend to stiffen up a little bit. There's a little bit less synovial fluid. You probably spend a lot more time sitting down as well um, because you probably feel like you don't have as much energy. And so things slowly start to tighten up. So as you get older, you definitely need to be doing a little bit more. Now, that could be formally. As in following a strength and mobility program that's been written down for you. So you have a list of 10 different movements that you do, or you could go to a yoga class. A Pilates class would be good as well, maybe even dance classes. Or you might have your own stretching routine that you, your trainer or your coach has written for you or that you've seen on, on YouTube. So that's something formal. And I think that in most people's heads, that's what they need to do. They need to set aside a portion of time each day like they do with a training session in order to be able to do this. And the sticking point for most people is that they think, well, I just don't have that extra time. But it doesn't have to be like that. And I will come on to how you can get over this little barrier a bit later on. What I would say is that if you did an audit of how you use your day, you can always find some time. There are always gaps in there. Um, Think about if you're waiting for the kettle to boil. Think about if you're um, brushing your teeth, for instance. What about if you're watching the TV? Okay. Do you sit 
in the armchair or slumped on the sofa watching TV? Or could you find a better way to do that that involved a bit of mobility work? So rather than thinking of a formal session of stretching or yoga, let's just call it movement practice. And it is a practice, by the way. It's not a performance. There will always be somebody who's a little bit more supple than you who can touch their toes um, when you can only just get to your knees. Don't worry about that. It's all about your practice. So it could be a formal class. It could be your own daily routine. It could just be moving around and adopting different positions regularly during the day. In the show notes, I'm going to signpost you to some of the other podcasts I've done with guests, Kelly Starrett particularly, um, regarding the supple leopard. Shane Benzie, who uh, did a podcast with me, which was essentially all about if you move better, you probably run better. Um, Louisa Holmes has been on with me. That's the White Witch. And we've talked about movement. Uh, Sarah Pitts has been on as well. She was my original inspiration. And a host of other people have been on. So there's lots to go out and I'll signpost all of those for you. So in summary for this little bit, it doesn't need to be a formal session. You could just force yourself to move for one to two minutes at regular intervals throughout the day. If you moved, for instance, for one minute every hour and did a a different type of stretch or movement, then during your working day, that would probably amount to 10 to 12 minutes. That's way better than probably what you're doing right now. And it would fit into all those bits of dead time that you have where you're not doing anything. It would get you out of your desk and into a standing position or a sitting position or a kneeling position or something or a lunging position. And as time goes on, you can move in different movements. So you could you could take the same movement, which was might be a deep squat to sitting on your heels, and you do that for a few seconds every hour. Or you could have 10 or 12 different movements that you do each day. It doesn't really matter. Um, one thing I would also suggest is investing in a stand-up desk. So I am recording this podcast at my stand-up desk. I spend a lot of time at this place every single day. I don't do all my work from here. I move around. Sometimes I'm sitting at the um, breakfast bar. Sometimes I'm sitting at a desk. Sometimes I'm sitting on the floor cross-legged. Other times I'll be back standing in front of my desk. But I move around from position to position. And often that depends on what I'm doing. Simple tasks like writing emails, um, maybe writing some uh, triathlon programs I do at the stand-up desk. If I find if it's something that needs a bit more thinking, then I'm sitting down. But I have this stand-up desk, and um, this one, it's electronic. It moves up and down. I could probably sit at it as well. I could sit on the Swiss ball and sit at the desk. Um, it's got a memory system, so I can get it back to the height that's good for me. Uh, it costs me £300, But in terms of your overall health and the fact that you're standing up and adopting a good posture and sitting down, I would say it's worth its weight in gold. So that's the mobility. Now, there's some benefits of regular mobility. I'm just going to whistle through them now. Firstly, better posture. Your hip flexors won't be as tight. Your glutes will work more effectively. You will stand up taller. You'll probably breathe better. Okay, you'll have better posture throughout the day. That might even lead to better posture when you're running and when you're walking. And if you want people to think you're younger than you are, 
just walk around tall and look supple because your movement will belie your years. Um, you'll also feel a lot younger as well if you don't have those aches and pains. Whereas if you're stooped over and your back's aching, that just does make you feel quite a bit older. You will get reduced aches and pains. With regular movement, those muscles will be looser. The muscle fibers will be looser. There won't be as many tight spots around your knees or your ankles. And so those little niggles that we get that sort of seem to accompany us throughout our training programs and, and can occasionally develop into more serious injuries, they won't be there as much. Now, it won't be an immediate change. It's not like taking a painkiller, um, an over-the-counter painkiller, where half an hour later you notice that your sore knee isn't sore anymore. It takes a few weeks, but all of a sudden you'll think, oh, that sore knee's not bothering me anymore. Maybe that's because you've been stretching your quads a bit more. Or your shoulder. Well, maybe your shoulder's not bothering you anymore because you've been standing up more and adopting a better posture. And because of that, you'll end up with less injuries. You'll also have faster recovery. Now, there's lots and lots of things that are involved in the recovery process. So this isn't going to be a magic bullet either, but better mobility and looser muscles will enable you to just recover that little bit faster. Um, you'll probably find that you've got increased strength because you'll be able to use the useful strength you now through a bigger range of movement. And so the muscle strength that you, that you currently have will be more effective. And ultimately, all of this is going to lead to better performance. Now, I, I would urge you to think about better performance as a human first before you think about better performance as an athlete. So in terms of being a, a better performing human, you'll have better human function. You will be able to bend down and tie your shoelaces up more easily. You'll be able to, if you've got grandchildren or children, maybe you'll be able to get up and down off the floor or bend down and play with your kids more easily and more enjoyably. And so that's the human function part. But also if you're moving better and you've got all of those benefits like reduced injuries and faster recovery, your athletic performance is also going to be better or maybe you'll be able to maintain it longer some of the specific benefits for sport um, as triathletes if you swim regularly having better posture means that you would you can adopt and generally will adopt a better body position in the water instead of your hips being kinked and your shoulders and your arms being bent because you can't straighten them and um, you catch starting 30 degrees under the water because your shoulders are too tight, you'll have a better body position, which reduces the drag, which leads to you being more effective in the water. You can swim at the same speed with less effort. And I would argue that perhaps that's what we should all be trying to do is swim more efficiently rather than trying to swim faster. On the bike, you might be able to adopt a better aero position. And if you already have a reasonably good aero position, maybe having more mobility will enable you to stay in that position for longer. And again, we end up with reduced drag. As a runner, and back to the Shane Benzie podcast and his book, The Lost Art of Running, you will be taller. So you'll run taller, you'll have higher hips, you'll have better posture, you'll have better running economy. So you might not actually be able to run any faster, but what you will be able to do is hold your current speed for longer and that will end up in shorter and faster running times overall. So there's lots of benefits, lots of benefits, and I've only named a handful there. And if we summarize 
by how you actually fit this in to your day. The options for busy people. I prefer it in the morning. I prefer as soon as I get up, I get into my morning routine, I do my yoga, then it's done. Doesn't matter what else comes up in the day. That doesn't mean I don't do any during the rest of the day, but then it's just informal. I might just go from standing to sitting on the floor, cross-legged to kneeling on the floor. Um, If I've done a workout, I might do a few mobility moves after that to loosen off. Um, If I'm watching TV in the evening, I might sit on the yoga mat on the floor and do some specific hip mobility work um, while we're watching the telly instead of being slumped on the sofa. So you could do you could do 10, 10 minutes first thing in the morning. You could make it one of those pre-sleep rituals where you turn the TV off, you get in some breathing practice, you progressively get into more relaxed mobility moves and then um, you start reading a book and then you sort of chilled out and relaxed and ready to go to bed. So that's another option. You could do both, of course, if you want to get extra brownie points. Um, you could find 60-second blocks throughout the day. That's a great idea because it gets you away from your desk and gets you up and moving. And obviously, as triathletes, you're going to be working out at least once a day. So you could cut down the length of your session by a few minutes and put a bit of mobility in for a few minutes before and after every workout. And if you've got half a dozen workouts in a week, you've amassed at least half an hour, maybe an hour's worth of mobility every week free of charge. And the next thing is just do it whenever you can. Sarah Pitts showed me some great little um, hip and lower back movements that you can do while you're standing in a queue. Now, I reckon most of us stand in a queue at least once a day when we're at the supermarket, when we're um, waiting for a coffee, uh, etc., etc. So there's a few little things that you can do. Um, Maybe when you're brushing your teeth, maybe when you're standing waiting for the kettle to boil. So... Again, lots of options there. Be creative. Just try and get it done regularly. Okay, on to strength. So I've deliberately put them in that order because what I've learned now is that mobility is probably the precursor to using good strength. So if you're not going to do, if you're only going to do one thing, get the mobility done first. If you're already doing the mobility, then try and add some strength to your routine. Now, strength is the ability of a muscle to apply force and overcome resistance. Mostly it's overcoming gravity. Um, If you're pedaling your bike, then it's overcoming the incline or it's overcoming the wind or it's just overcoming the drag from the road in order to be able to keep going. And in some circumstances, strength's also the maximum amount of force that a muscle can exert. Strength on its own isn't really very usable. So sports people need to convert it to something more usable. If you're in a team sport, um, what I call combat sports, where it's one-on-one. So it's not just just boxing, but those um, one-versus-one competitions like tennis and um, racket sports. Uh, If you're playing um, football or rugby or cricket or hockey or all of those um, require you to exert power, to accelerate and to sprint and to stop and start. Um, so they need, those need power so you can apply force as quickly as possible. And you do need a little bit of power when you were an endurance athlete. So think about a runner coming out of a, a dead turn, for instance, in a, in a triathlon 
or a, a 5k race and then accelerating again there's a bit of power needed there suddenly going up a hill um, on a bike um, if you're a swimmer pushing off the wall and then regaining your momentum but mostly you'll find there's an important as a requirement for the important uh, element called muscular endurance which is the ability of your muscles or a group of muscles to repeatedly apply force without getting too fatigued and that's what we're trying to train when we're out running for an hour when we're out cycling for several hours or when we're in the pool is to be able to do those repeated movements without getting too tired so muscular endurance right but it's not just for the prime movers that you might be thinking of, like your quadriceps and your hamstrings and your glutes and your lats. It's also for those stabilizers, the muscles around the shoulder joint called the rotator cuffs, the glutes again, which are stabilizers and the ankles. So I'll come back to stabilizers in a moment. When you turn up at the gym, if you're going along to see your trainer, he or she is probably going to ask you what you really trying to achieve by going to the gym. If you're not going to use a trainer, then this is a question I suggest you ask yourself. One of the things that I hear people say as an objection for not including strength training in their endurance sports routine is that they're going to build big muscles. Now, if you read a bodybuilding magazine and you follow one of their routines, there's a good chance that you build some muscle. And again, a lot a lot of people mistakenly in my mind think that they're going to build lots of muscle and that's going to mean they're too heavy and they won't be able to run as fast or cycle as fast. To be quite frank, the training that you do, all of the endurance training is at one end of the continuum and the strength training is at another and one cancels out the other. So if you're going to continue to train for endurance sports and lift weights, there's a good chance that that endurance training is going to interrupt the creation of too much muscle. So whilst you might put on a kilo, that would be useful. I wouldn't worry too much about being uh, muscle bound and not being able to run. So back to the initial question, what are you really trying to achieve? You're trying to build resilience so you can turn up for every session. I paused there deliberately so that could sink in. Build resilience so you can turn up for every session. Katie Ledecky, the Olympic gold medalist, was an avid strength trainer. Her coach said the strength coach, his job is not to turn Katie Ledecky into a champion weightlifter or build lots of muscle. The strength coach's job was to make sure that Katie Ledecky was resilient enough to turn up on poolside every morning and evening so she could do the swim set. And the swim set is where the magic happens. The work in the gym allows her to get to the pool. And that's what you should really be thinking of here. So build resilience so you can turn up and be consistent. Now, this is where those stabilizers are important. Small movements from the stabilizers might be more important than the large movements that are instigated by the prime movers. Paul Check really well-known American strength coach and educator has this phrase that I've always remembered. It makes me laugh. Um, Steve Lumley, one of my grumpy old coaches, and I regularly talk about this. And Paul Check says, you can't fire a cannon from a canoe. So I'd like you to think about that for a moment. If you have a cannon, generally you need to have it on a big concrete base 
so that it has a, a very heavy duty platform which is going to keep it still so that it is able to fire that cannonball as far as possible. If the cannon is mounted in a canoe, which is most unlikely, but if it was, as soon as the you know, the um, backdraft from the power from the firing of the cannonball goes off, the canoe will probably not just uh, wobble, it'll probably turn over and the cannonball will just plop out at the end. It won't get fired very far. So we need to have stability in order to um, create the big movement. So if you think about the prime movers of the legs of the quads and in order for those to exert power properly, the glutes need to stabilize the hips and the muscles around the lower leg and the knee need to stabilize the foot on the ground so you can exert that power and drive off. So arguably, we should focus on the strength of those stabilizers first to create a big platform for us then to generate the power. Now, those are small movements in order to improve the stability of the rotator cuff muscles around the shoulder. You probably need nothing more than a TheraBand, one of those rubber bands that the physios seem to give you every time you go for a visit. And you can do a small amount of movements. Now, I can tell you quite categorically that if you did those movements for an hour a day, you still wouldn't build great big shoulders because we're talking about very small um, little muscles. But they are very, very important. So, again, we're not talking about massive strength or power. It's not about being able to deadlift twice your body weight or bench press your own body weight. In fact, I would suggest that perhaps bench press shouldn't even appear in your strength program. I think another mistake as well I see is that folks talk about exercises that work particular muscles like a hamstring curl or a bicep curl or a bench press to build the chest. But athletic competitions are not about muscles working in isolation. They're about movements. And so when we do anything with strength, we ought to be thinking about a movement and maybe doing several things in one complex movement. So you could think about doing a lunge with a twist, okay? Holding a, a small weight at your chest and as you lunge with one leg, you twist in the opposite direction and as you step back to starting position, you um, also turn your torso back to the start position. Then you lunge with the other leg and twist the opposite way. That's what we call a movement. And that's what I would suggest that you try and incorporate in your training plan is, is a, some complex movements. And again, those de don't need massive strength or power. In fact, if you were trying that movement, that lunge with the rotation, you might find that to start with, you don't have the stability to enable you to perform it effectively. And that's because those small move, um, stabilizing muscles aren't working effectively. So before you start adding any weight, you need to have the balance and coordination and stability first. Strength work is a 12 months of the year practice. It's not seasonal. I think it's a big mistake when folks start a program in October. And of course, because it's new to them, because they haven't done it during the season when they're racing, they then feel sore for a few weeks. That does put a lot of people off and that's understandable. And then as they get to the end of their um training and start preparing specifically for races they push the strength training aside 
and the benefits that have been gained over the last few months slowly ebb away. So by the end of the season, you're probably having to work a lot harder to maintain your performance because you don't have the strength or stability. So I would say it's a 12 months of the year practice. Yes, you would emphasize it more in the winter than perhaps in the summer, but it shouldn't be completely ignored. As I said, focus on movements, not muscles, and focus on primal movements. So there are seven of these, six of which you want to try and um, work into your program. So we have squats, we have lunges, we have a hinge, which is effectively where you're folding at the middle around the hips. We have a push and we have a pull, but we are, and we also have a rotation, which is often forgotten. The seventh one is called gait, G-A-I-T, but that's about walking and moving. And I think we probably do enough of that when we're running. So you don't need to worry about that one. I probably add another one in there, which I call groundwork. Um, we don't really have to do this as endurance athletes where we're on the ground and we have to get up quickly. But one reason I would include it into your program and you can think of exercises like the Turkish get up or burpees or press ups and that type of thing where you're standing and then you go down to a lying position and then get up. One reason I would include it is because it's a preparation for older age. And if you think about older folks, um, the number of people over 70 that just don't have the physical strength to get off the floor using their own strength is huge. I, I haven't got the data to hand, but um, there's been plenty of research on this. And so retaining that ability to get off the floor throughout your life is really important. So I, I would include um, gr some groundwork in there. Um, think about if we're talking about work, playing with your children or grandchildren, often you have to get down on the floor. So it's a little bit embarrassing, isn't it, if you're doing that as granddad or grandma and uh, you're kneeling around playing with little Johnny and Jemima and then... Um, you aren't able to get up under your own strength afterwards. So you can put a stop to all that. I also think one of the biggest barriers to this is that folks feel like they need to do long workouts. I don't think you need to do anything more than 15 minutes, three times a week. That's not a great deal. Um, you could actually use it as a warm up for your run or your swim or your bike as well. So then you combine two workouts and it wouldn't seem to be quite such a noticeable intrusion and I'm pretty certain you can do with a little less um, aerobic work so please don't think that this needs to be a long workout please don't think you even need to go to the gym you could do this perfectly well at home with a minimal of equipment so as I talked about the benefits of mobility there are lots and lots of benefits of regular strength training the first remembering that we're putting the performance of a human before the performance of an athlete, it combats the aging process. You maintain muscle mass. You can even develop some muscle mass. By having better muscle mass, you'll have improved metabolism. Now, that's huge because one of the things that leads to a sort of slow gathering of body fat as you get older is that um, muscles burn calories. They burn calories while you're asleep. It's like having the thermostat turned up slightly all day, whereas aerobic exercise is like turning the fire on, burns calories for a short period of time. So having a little bit of extra muscle keeps the thermostat a bit higher, improves the metabolism, 
and you'll probably find that you've got better weight control. You'll also have better balance. That's important for older folks. And you'll have better human function. I mentioned earlier that with mobility, you will have better posture and the strength will enable you to maintain that posture for much longer and certainly through fatiguing endurance exercise. You look at the number of people towards the end of an Ironman race or at the end of a marathon that are struggling to stay up straight. They're folding at the hips. They're slumping at the shoulders and the chest and all of that makes every step much more difficult, takes more energy, and they slow down. Better strength means delayed fatigue in those small muscle groups. So as we talked about how they improve your technique, um, having that better posture and stability, you can hold on to that technique for longer, which means that you're going to use less energy for each step or each swim stroke. And therefore, you, you'll have more energy to use at the end of the race. And... Because you can maintain your technique for longer, it's less likely that you'd be using bad movement patterns and therefore less likely, there's no 100% no risk, but less likely that you're going to get injured. And obviously, less injuries equals better consistency. So that's an all-round winner that we'd all be happy to have. So you're busy. I know that. I know that that's the biggest objection to not getting this stuff in is I just don't have the time. And that's my job as a coach is to try and find solutions for you. So here are some options that you could try. If you could get three formal sessions in, by three formal sessions, that means almost booking an appointment in your own diary. It might mean going to the gym, which might mean taking some time to get to the gym, get changed, etc. That might take, if you do three sessions a week and you do 20 minutes or 30 minutes a time, 60 to 90 minutes over the course of the week. So that's one option. If you have to go to the swimming pool anyway, maybe there's an opportunity to do your strength training while you're at the swimming pool. So it's just one journey and one visit to one facility. If doing that meant that you set off for home a little later but avoided the traffic, maybe the overall cost to your day wouldn't be quite as great. So there's a suggestion. If you have the opportunity to break it down on a daily basis, you could do eight to 10 minutes every day. So you could do your 10 or 15 minutes of mobility, and then you could pick up a set of dumbbells or some kettlebells and do one movement four or five times over, starting every couple of minutes. And then, and because you're not creating such an overload on your body, you're not going to get that. So the next day you could do the same, but with a different movement. And you could do that every day or every other day. I might total an hour over the week. Or you could do that greasing the groove thing that I mentioned for mobility. Every hour you could get up from your desk and do 20 air squats. Or you could do 10 pull-ups. Or you could do a press one press-up every 20 seconds or something for a couple of minutes. Or you could do five press-ups every hour for one hour. So, three options for you. It doesn't matter which of these you choose has to suit your lifestyle. They all have benefits. So please don't think that if you can't get to the gym three times a week, there's no point in bothering. There is. I said earlier that if you didn't go to the gym, you don't need a great deal of equipment. A yoga mat, a skipping rope, possibly, a TRX system, a stability ball, some kettlebells or dumbbells, 
in a range of different weights and maybe a foam roller and that's it it's not going to cost a lot it won't take up a great deal of space you can work out at home that's going to save you a gym membership and a lot of traveling time i'll put some links in the show notes for those so you've got an idea of exactly what i'm talking about if you don't understand that terminology so in summary then mobility and strength are important but if you're going to do something then Get the mobility done first and make sure that becomes a daily habit so it's like brushing your teeth or washing your hands. Please do not let it become super time-consuming unless, like me, it becomes an indispensable part of your life and you find that the benefits are so huge that you start to push aside some of the other things that don't give you benefit in your life, like trawling through social media or going through and looking at posts on Facebook or Instagram. Replacing those activities with mobility will be a super improvement for your life. One of the key objections some athletes to adding this into their routine is I don't have the time. But I say make the time. Do so by reducing your swim, bike and run training by 10%. You can definitely afford to do that. Please, if you don't believe me, I understand that you might be fearful of upsetting a routine that's worked well for you in the past. But at some point... That will become stale and your body will stop responding and you'll have to try something else. I implore you to be open-minded and give it a chance. Give it a few months and see what happens. And don't be like I was at the very beginning where you don't put your heart and soul into it and you keep thinking, well, it just proves that it doesn't work because that wasn't true. That was from my own intransigence and just sort of stubbornness. But once I gave into that concept, it's, it's been a massive change for the positive. So I say, make the time because the end result will be greater for everything. And my final words are these. I can think of very few circumstances where adding regular daily movement practice and frequent strength sessions will have negative consequences. Folks, thank you as always for listening to the High Performance Human Podcast. You'll be able to find links for just about everything I've mentioned in today's show in the notes below. So please do go and fill your boots there. To make sure you don't miss any future episode, please go to iTunes, search for High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast and click the subscribe button. At the beginning, I mentioned those two strength plans that I had that you might be interested in. So please don't forget to look for the links to those in the show notes as well. That's all for now. I hope you have a great week. I definitely hope you get started on your mobility in some format and I'll see you on the next episode.